<laughs> this is a really sparse crowd tonight. But I appreciate uh, those of you who are here. I, I want to begin by reading our text uh, that's going to serve as the jumping off point for our thoughts in Second Chronicles chapter 20, uh, beginning in verse number 20. It says that they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. Jehoshaphat assembled an army, and then he has them sing in preparation for battle. Why do armies sing? Because this is something that didn't just take place in the ancient world. This is something that takes place even to this day. There are a few reasons. For one thing, they sing in order to keep step. That is, so they're marching all along there together in rhythm. The song enables them to keep time and make progress to their destination. Uh, I think of, uh, you know, cadence calls or Jody calls in our modern day military. Um, to someone who's never been in the service, the best example I can think of is from the old uh, 1940s movie Battleground. A lot of you have probably seen that. You know, you had a good home, but you left. You're right. You had a good home, but you left. You're right. Well, they sing in order to keep step. They sing also to lift their spirits. Now, a lot of times today, people treat the military as, as, if, as if it's a, a jobs program or an alternative education program. But really, armies have one fundamental purpose. It's to go to war. And that's frightening. And it's scary. It's dangerous. So as they sing with their voices swelling here together in chorus, soldiers are reminded that they're not alone. And they're reminded that that person who's singing there with them, but right beside them, will be fighting right alongside them in the heat of battle. And they sing, thirdly, to tell who they are, to remind themselves of who they are. Uh, the words of songs that soldiers sing tell about their country, their cause, their hopes, and their dreams. So I think of songs in our own history of the Civil War. Soldiers in the Confederate Army sang about their desire to go home. I wish I was in Dixie. Soldiers in the Union Army sang about what they were fighting for. We'll rally round the, bat, the flag, boys, shouting the battle cry of freedom. Our United States Marines sing about their exploits, all the places that they've been, from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli. British soldiers in World War I sang to remind themselves of how far they were from home. It's a long way to Tipperary. On and on we could go with this. Songs are about what soldiers hold dear. They ground them in the traditions of their country. So we put all those things together and we could sum this up 
by saying that armies sing in order to instruct, to teach. Just like we see with Israel here in our text. You go back here and the point of this, hear me, Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you'll succeed. And what did they sing? Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. This song teaches about God's nature and why you should trust it. Just like a mighty army, Christians need to be a singing people, and really for those very same reasons. We need to be sure that we keep in step. We need to be encouraged and strengthened with the reminder that there are other people who are standing right there beside us. We need to be reminded of who we are and where we're going and what the fight is all about. So with all that in mind, I want us to begin this evening by singing a song that illustrates those principles, one that should be familiar to all of us, Onward Christian Soldiers. Yeah. 
when we talk about the things that we do in our worship, we often say that it's not about us, it's not about men, it's about God. That our worship is directed to God. And that's true insofar as it goes. I think about what Jesus says, Mark chapter 6, quoting from Isaiah the prophet. And he says, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts far from me. Why is that? In vain they worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. Our worship is vain if it's according to men's commandments or according to our own will. It doesn't matter how compelling or inspirational or motivational the assembly is. It doesn't matter how great the sermon is or how great the song service is or if we have, I don't know, a light show or a, a smoke machine and I enter in on a zip line or whatever. I'm just trying to think of ways to, you know, spice it up here. None of that matters if it's contrary to God's will. It's all in vain. So there's a sense in which if we leave the service and we say, well, you know, I just, I didn't really care too much for the worship service today. Well, that's not really relevant. That's asking the wrong question. The real question is, was God pleased with the worship service today? Was it according to His will? Did God like it? Did it please Him? But, with that said, even if our worship is directed solely to God, and it is, that doesn't mean that the assembly is all about our worship to God. That is, there's that vertical focus, but there's also a horizontal aspect to it, too. It's not just about praising God, worshiping God. It's about you and it's about me and about the encouragement and the edification, that is, the, the building up and the instruction that exists for one another. Singing is a conversation that takes place amongst those of us who are gathered here in God's presence. Just like an army singing to one another. For all those reasons we talked about, we're singing to each other too. Most of us here tonight are probably familiar with Paul's instructions in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19. Parallel passages here, they're similar wording. In Ephesians chapter 5, he urges us not to be drunk with wine, wherein is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And then he says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. In Colossians 3 and verse 16, he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, uh, singing with grace in your hearts. So you notice the verbs in those two passages. In Ephesians, Paul says we're speaking to one another in our songs and our hymns and our spiritual songs. In Colossians chapter 3, he says we're teaching and we're admonishing one another. So we're speaking to one another, we're addressing each other, we're teaching, we're admonishing. When we sing, there is a conversation going on. We're talking to one another. Hopefully, we're listening to one another too. That's part of a conversation. Even when we're addressing our songs to God in praise, we're also secondarily speaking to one another. 
we're reminding each other, especially those of us who are unbelievers in our assembly, those who are children, uh, those who are weak in the faith, those who are discouraged. We're reminding people like that, not to mention all the rest of us, of who God is and why He's great and why He's worthy to be praised. Do we take that seriously? I mean, if you really think about that, shouldn't that make our worship and song much more meaningful? Think about this. If there's a conversation going on, if we're singing not only to God but to each other, have you ever thought about when you're singing a specific song, maybe having someone in mind? Think about a song. We're going to talk about this one a little bit later. But uh, when you sing, Be not dismayed, whate'er be tied, God will take care of you. What if you thought about somebody who needed that message, somebody that you knew who was struggling, discouraged, and you sang it as if you were singing it to them? That's just one example. We began this whole series of lessons uh, three months ago, I guess, Considering the content of our songs, we looked at several different songs in that first lesson, especially thinking about how we address God, how we praise God through our songs. Uh, Tonight, this is the last lesson in this series, and I want us to think about as we close what we do when we sing to each other. What purposes do our songs serve in having this conversation with one another? We're going to talk about several things. For one thing, we comfort each other. I want you to get a a songbook because we're not going to sing any more songs, but we are, just like in that first lesson, going to look at at several songs. We comfort each other. There are a number of songs that we sing that draw from the promises of Scripture that help to to build up those of us who are discouraged or who are uh, disappointed. And singing these songs reminds us that In Christ, there's a a peace that passes understanding. Turn to number 461. I mentioned this song already, but think about these words of encouragement. Be not dismayed, whate'er be tied. God will take care of you. Beneath His wings of love abide. God will take care of you. Through days of toil when heart doth fail, God will take care of you. When dangers fierce your path assail, God will take care of you. All you may need, He will provide. God will take care of you. Nothing you ask will be denied. God will take care of you. No matter what may be the test, God will take care of you. Lean weary one upon His breast. God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. Isn't that a a powerful message of hope and encouragement that we all need to hear from time to time? Another thing we do in our songs, we pray. We pray. You've probably noticed this, that a great many of our songs are nothing more than prayers that have been set to music. In fact, some of them even end with an amen that, for whatever reason, we don't ever sing that. Uh, We don't ever sing that anywhere that I've been. I don't know why that is. Uh, But a great many of these address God directly in prayer. Uh, I think 
a thing that might be good. You might consider this, if you have a songbook at home, use these in your own private devotions. Sing through these or, or just read through these when you're thinking about praying to God uh, because some of these songs express the thoughts that we want to convey in prayer in a way that's better than we can do ourselves. Uh, a great example of this is number 807. It's a song that we don't sing very much, Jesus, Lover of My Soul, but this to me is one of the most beautiful hymns that's ever been written. You see how this one addressed, addresses Christ directly. Jesus, lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly. While the nearer waters roll, while the tempest still is high, hide me, O my Savior, hide, till the storm of life is past. Safe into the haven guide, O receive my soul at last. Other refuge have I none, hangs my helpless soul on thee. Leave, ah, leave me not alone, still support and comfort me. All my trust on thee is stayed, all my help from thee I bring. Cover my defenseless head with the shadow of thy wing. Thou, O Christ, art all I want, more than all in thee I find. Raise the fallen, cheer the faint, heal the sick, and lead the blind. Just and holy is thy name. I am all unrighteousness. Vile and full of sin I am. Thou art full of truth and grace. We pray in many of our songs. A third thing that we do when we're singing to one another, we express our surrender to God's will. Turn to number 552. We express our surrender to His will. Now, of course, we know we have to do more than that. That goes for most of these songs. We have to actually apply the message. We have to obey Him. But it helps when we express that submission to God in song. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. Look at the third verse. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Hold o'er my being absolute sway. Fill with thy spirit till all shall see Christ only, always living in me. We can think of other songs like that. I Surrender All is another one that comes to mind. Another thing that we do when we're singing to one another, we warn each other and we exhort one another. Turn to number 905. This is a good example of, of warning and exhortation, and this is something that young people need, new Christians need, maybe those groups in particular, but we all need from time to time to be reminded about the dangers of sin. This song is extremely straightforward with that sort of teaching and admonishing Paul talks about. Yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. Each victory will help you some other to win. Fight manfully onward. Dark passions subdue. Look ever to Jesus. He'll carry you through. Ask the Savior to help you, comfort, strengthen, and keep you. 
He's willing to aid you. He will carry you through. Another thing that we do when we sing to one another, we call on others to come to Christ. We invite them. We usually call that the invitation song, right? We sing that at the end of a lesson. But what we have to remember in these types of songs, that invitation has to be more than something that's for those sinners over there. We're not just calling all those people who need to respond to the invitation. These songs are addressed to all of us. The words of songs of invitation, inviting people to Christ, even if we've already become Christians, we can recommit ourselves. We're called to repentance. They can be sung and meant by anyone who already is a Christian. Uh, look at number 911. We're already there in the 900s. And this is one of my absolute favorite songs that we usually sing as an invitation song. And this is one that applies to non-Christians and Christians too. Bring Christ your broken life so marred by sin. He will create anew. Make whole again. Your empty, wasted years He will restore. And your iniquities remember no more. I, I love that line. Your empty, wasted years He will restore. It reminds me of what the prophet Joel says, that great promise after he's talked about all the locusts that have come through and how God's going to bring renewal. He will restore the years that the locust has eaten. I love that line. Bring him your every care, if great or small, whatever troubles you. Oh, bring it all. Bring him the haunting fears, the nameless dread. Thy heart he will relieve and lift up thy head. Bring him your weariness, receive his rest. Weep out your blinding tears upon his breast. His love is wonderful, his power is great, and none that trust in him shall be desolate. Blessed Savior of us all, almighty friend, his presence shall be ours unto the end. Without him, life would be how dark, how drear. But with him, morning breaks, and heaven is near. Another thing we do, much like that army that we looked at in uh, Judah in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we remind each other of who we are and all the blessings that go with that. Look at number 537. There's a lot of songs that fit into this category, but this is a good, straightforward example of telling us who we are, telling our story. Here we are but straying pilgrims. Here our path is often dim. But to cheer us on our journey, still we sing this wayside hymn. Here our feet are often weary on the hills that throng our way. Here the tempest darkly gathers, but our hearts within us say, Yonder over the rolling river, where the shining mansions rise, soon will be our home forever. And the smile of the blessed giver gladdens all our longing eyes. So we tell our story. We remind ourselves of who we are when we sing. But we not only do that, we tell the story of Jesus. Obviously, so many songs do that, but the most straightforward one is, Tell Me the Story of Jesus. That's number 387. And especially in these songs that tell about Jesus, we tell about his death, we tell about his burial, we tell about his resurrection. 
Tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweeter, sweetest that ever was heard. Tell how the angels in chorus sang as they welcomed His birth. Glory to God in the highest, peace and good tidings on earth. Fasting alone in the desert, tell of the days that are past. How for our sins He was tempted, yet was triumphant at last. Tell of the years of His labor, tell of the sorrow He bore. He was despised and afflicted, homeless, rejected, and poor. Tell of the cross where they nailed Him, writhing in anguish and pain. Tell of the grave where they laid Him. Tell how He liveth again. Love in that story so tender, clearer than ever, I see. Stay, let me weep while you whisper. Love paid the ransom for me. So we tell about who we are, we tell about Jesus, and finally we praise God in our songs. That's something we talked about in our very first lesson, and of course there are so many that we could look at to demonstrate that truth. Number 300 is a, a great example of this. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. Sing, O earth, His wonderful love proclaim. Hail Him, hail Him, highest archangels in glory. Strength and honor give to His holy name. Like a shepherd, Jesus will guard his children. In his arms, he carries them all day long. Praise him, praise him. Tell of his excellent greatness. Praise him, praise him, ever in joyful song. And that's a great line to keep in mind that sort of sums up all of these lessons. Praise him ever in joyful song. We talk so much spend so much of our lives talking about things that, in the grand scheme of things, are just inconsequential. The weather, sports, you know, we talk about how the Astros are doing, they won today. Or maybe we're gearing up for uh, football season. Or we talk about what we had for lunch, I, I don't know. None of these things are, are wrong in and of themselves, that's not what I'm saying, but all of those things, really, when you get right down to it, they, they don't matter. But when we're having this conversation with each other in song, we're talking about things that are of eternal importance. Nothing could be more consequential than the things that we sing about. And I realize that here, especially on a night like tonight, when uh, you know, you're already here on a Sunday night, so we're talking to the core group. And on a night like tonight, when a lot of people are out on vacation, we have, you know, maybe a third as many people as we usually have. Uh, this part of the message is maybe not something that you need to hear, but I think it doesn't hurt for us to remember this. Because this is so important, that means that when we fail to attend the assembly, we're failing to have these meaningful conversations. We're failing to speak to one another. We're failing to hear on our end, and think about what a tremendous loss that is just in light of our brief examination tonight. If we come here and we just sit and we don't sing, I know a lot of us are tempted to do that from time to time, but I want you to think about this. When we consider the importance of these conversations, that means that you're saying at best you're indifferent to helping to instruct other people. At worst, you're saying you actually don't care about them. Now, I know if you're not singing, you don't really think about it that way, but, but maybe you should consider that.
And not to mention, not only what does it say about you, what does it say about what you think about your brothers and sisters, but what does it say about the God that you're supposed to be directing these songs to? I hope that these lessons that we've gone through over the past several weeks have been a nice change of pace for one thing, but, but I hope, more importantly, they've caused you to think more seriously about what it is that we do when we sing. I hope we'll focus more on the words of our songs. I hope we'll consider what they have to say to us individually. I hope we'll consider what we're saying to others collectively when we sing. I hope we'll consider what they have to say about God. And I hope we'll all realize what a great privilege this is that we have. And it's something that we all need to take a good deal more seriously. Maybe you're here this evening and you're subject to the invitation. Maybe you need to get your life right in order to be back in a right relationship with that God that we've been talking about this evening. If you need to make changes tonight, if there's sin in your life that you need to repent of, or if you just like the prayers of your brothers and sisters who are here, whatever your need may be, I encourage you to take the opportunity to make it known now while we stand and while we sing.